Welcome to this Shape PA webinar recording. These recordings are meant for the educator on the go. You may not have a chance to sit down and watch the webinar, but you can sneak some professional development time during a walk, run, car, or bike ride. All of the resources that accompany this recording can be located on the webinar page under professional development at shapepa.org. We hope you enjoy this episode from HPE 2020, What Do I Do Now? by Dave Schmidt and Hannah Meckley. Please do not hesitate to reach out with any questions. Enjoy the episode. ...to use the Q&A feature so we know that they get ahead to our presenters. If there's something that you would like to say in the chat feature to engage with your uh, fellow attendees, use the chat feature for that as well. We will monitor both the chat feature and the question and answer feature to make sure that your questions are answered and addressed. And if we run out of time, um, we will make sure that we send them in the follow-up materials with the link for the presentation so no question is left unanswered. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at shape underscore PA and share any learning and questions that you have before, during, or after this to the hashtag ShapeHPE. We have been providing leadership, advocacy, and professional development to health and physical educators in Pennsylvania for overall wellness for over 99 years and counting. So today's just one more uh, way that we're reaching out to our teachers, connecting you, and we know that this will be a very great and beneficial hour of your time with a follow-up session happening next Tuesday. So without further ado, I would love to introduce to you our two speakers that we have tonight. If you're not already following them on Twitter, their Twitter handles are right there. They do a lot of great sharing features uh, throughout the, the school year that you can follow along with and interact with. We have Dr. Hannah Brewer-Meckley from Slippery Rock University, and we have David Schmidt, who is the department chair and our current president of uh, Shape Pennsylvania and a teacher in the North Allegheny School District. So I'm gonna turn it over to those two and let the experts take over. All right, thank you, Hannah, or thank you, Jess. Let's see here. All right, so, it's 2020, we're getting ready to go back to school. What do I do now? That's the polite version of that. We had a different version we couldn't uh, publicize. Uh, but really the focus is gonna be on making the most of this opportunity. It truly is an opportunity. As much as we don't like that we have to go back the way we do, uh, everything's an opportunity. So we're gonna really focus on that today as we go through uh, this presentation. Uh, the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to look in your chat box and Jess is going to be pasting a link to this question here for you in the chat box. So if you take a look over here to the chat and you just click there, you'll see, uh, thanks Pam from Erie, hello to Erie also, but uh, in a moment here it'll pop up a link to that um, survey. We just want to see who's out there right now, what levels you are, what subject areas you teach if you're in the classroom, teaching health, and if you're in health and PE, um, or if you are elementary, middle, or high school health and physical education. I always put the HPE in there, as I think health should be a part of every physical education class. Sorry, David, should have just posted now. My computer was being a little bit slow. There we go. All right. Oh, there it is. Okay, so if you're looking at my screen, you can click on that link right there in the box, and it's just going to simply take you to the form. I'm going to show you how I'm doing it. Uh, I am a high school health and physical education teacher and I'll click submit and then we can go over here and see who we have on board tonight. Let's see. Uh, so far I guess I was first. We'll give, it a, give it a moment or two to see the uh, answers roll in there. 
I can see we have 96 participants. We are up to 192 people signed up for the for the uh, course early, uh, as of an hour ago. All right, we'll come back to that in a minute. I'm gonna keep moving on and we'll come back to that slide in a minute and see who is with us. Okay, so the session description, I'm sure you already read that, but as I said, when I became Shape PA president last December, we need to embrace challenge, start the conversation, advocate and shape PA. And I had no idea at the time, the challenges that we would be addressing. This is uh, unknown territory for all of us. But I really wanted to take a moment and look at how we go about this. Let me move those pictures over there and think about the attitude we come into it with. As I was out for a walk, I tend to do a lot of my work while I'm walking or biking. I'll listen to podcasts, I'll stop and do voice to text to take notes. But I found this story in a podcast and then I actually downloaded the book and listened to it. It's a great book on Audible, it's only $3 and it's only about a half an hour. But as I was walking, listening to this story, it really made me think. It talks, and I don't know if you've heard it before, but it says, you have a pot of boiling water and you take a carrot, you put it in the boiling water, and then you notice that under the stress of that boiling water, the carrot becomes soft, weakened, and flimsy. Leads, to being in, leads us to being overly influenced and anxious. You take that same pot of boiling water and you put an egg in there. The egg becomes hardened, leads to bitterness, anger, lack of love and empathy. It doesn't really respond to those around it. It hardens that egg in the shell. But the really magical thing is when you put a coffee bean in the water. Under the stress of the boiling water, not even being ground up, but just putting the coffee bean in there alone, it, it transforms its environment. The magic as it energizes everybody around it does an amazing thing. How do we want to go into this? Do we want to be that carrot? I've definitely felt like the carrot at times over the last month or two. I've, I've felt like the egg, but I'm really striving hard to be that coffee bean. If you want to see the whole story, take a look at this video down here. Once we publish this, you'll see the link, but you can actually just Google that. Um, we'll also share this whole presentation with you after we're done today, probably by early tomorrow morning. All right, Dr. Brewer, you're up. Dave, I love to talk about transforming our environment because that's exactly what we're, go we're going to talk about today. And what we have to our benefit is that society is paying attention to health and well-being possibly more now than ever. So if you turn on the news, if you look at social media, if you simply talk to your neighbor, they're always talking about how to stay healthy and well, whether it's wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, hand washing, or being more physically active, managing your stress. Those are all things that we as health and physical education teachers can make an impact on in terms of our students' health and well-being. So at a time where we may see a lot of change and a different approach to how we teach, it's also an opportunity for us to look at what our students really need, how we can make an impact on society where we can meet the needs of our students today. So even though there may be some stress and some differences happening in your school, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity for the rest of the world to see how we can impact students' lives.
In addition to that, I want to point out that Shape America has also been updating their website and has been providing updated resources on how to teach through hybrid models, how to teach face-to-face, -face, but by following physically distancing guidelines, um, and also how to teach fully online. So if you're not familiar with Shape America or Shape Pennsylvania, these are two resources that after today's session, you may want to look at. You'll also find that what Dave and I talk about today with some of the strategies for teaching quality lessons that are relevant and meet students' needs, that they do still fall under alignment with the shape standards and the grade level outcomes. All right. I'm going to back up a second the slide because I, I missed something I wanted to say on that session description. But as we go back to that, think about it for a minute. What does Shape PA do for you? As our current president, I really want to talk about that for a moment. Um, we work focus on professional development, networking, advocacy at a moment's notice. We have a standing committee that helps people respond when their programs are in jeopardy. Think about that right now. Just today, we put out a publication through Twitter, through Facebook. We went from zero people signed up to support us putting off an attempt by state government to take to exempt students from health and physical education. Now we have over a thousand people signed up for that petition. So it's good, amazing work done by Jeff Jacobs and Beverly. They just do an amazing job. Um, however, the best defense on way to defend our programs is to be on calls like this and be proactive about by providing the strongest possible program for our students. On the other example, our advocacy committee's amazing work and they're jumping into action this week as legislation to propose to provide exemptions for health and physical classes. This session is meant to share ideas and resources we have, we have found to be successful and some new ideas we're planning on trying this year based on best practices in both health and physical education. It is not meant as an instruction manual that you should do for your program. We're all coming from very different situations and it's important to consider that in your planning. These are not, this is not ideas of how to resolve COVID or how to deal with COVID. It's more about curriculum and how to tweak what we're doing to both be in-person and hybrid or remote. But those specifics as far as safety for COVID but from the CDC, Shape America and Shape PA all have great resources out there for you. So we're not gonna talk a lot about that. These ideas are a way we see of seizing this opportunity to build programs during difficult times that focus on our students' most pressing needs through quality health and physical education programming and help to advocate for our profession. These ideas can be modified to work in the remote or in in-person scenarios. Thoughts on ad advocacy for a second. As we go through this, we need to seize the opportunity that everybody wants what we have an audience let's help that audience our students and communities to be the best humans they can be i often talk about communities and that's really a big deal because we do have students and that's who we teach but i think through our students we have the ability to affect and impact their families and our entire communities we need to honor our past psaford which recently changed its name to shape pa next year's gonna be our 100th anniversary we want to make sure we honor that past and all the great work that's been put in by people. We want to recognize our programs are our best advocacy tool and our, or our biggest roadblock. It works both ways. We want to embrace hard conversations and be vulnerable. We can always get better. We want to reflect. 
do we respect ourselves as a profession? Sometimes I'm not sure about that. Games and activities are a place, but do we overdo the games and activities so kids can have fun and we can be liked? Can we instead have fun and be liked because our students learned something, earned a sense of accomplishment, and feel healthy because we helped them to get there? We need to realize we can do these things by telling students what they need to hear, teaching and encouraging, authenticity, self-respect, hard work, empathy, growth mindset, and the ability to be vulnerable and the ability to be critical while showing we care. We need to embrace challenge, start the conversation, and advocate for Shape PA and for our students. I also want to take a look ahead. This is a great part of what we're talking about today, but we're going to be providing these workshops and seminars for you every month throughout the school year. We're going to have a, a more in-depth sessions in January where we have our remote conference and we meet every week. But in October of this year, we're going to have Dr. Michelle Seeger, the author of No Sweat, as our keynote speaker. She's an amazing presenter, uh, amazing person. I'm really looking forward to having her present for us. I've gotten to see her present twice now, have many opportunities to talk to her on the phone, and really believe in what she's doing. I've been using her methods and materials in my classes for several years now. Uh, we've talked about it as a department and been tying in some of her things, but I want to remember that we are the difference makers. It's our ability to connect with students and get them to buy in that makes the difference. And that's what we're going to talk a lot about today is connection with our students, getting them to connect with each other. Today, I'd like to share a way that I believe we can better get students to buy into what we're selling in physical education and health. We need to teach our students to prioritize their own self-care. Self that big idea that Michelle's going to talk about in October, and we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, too, is that meaning matters. Why? Uh, Dr. Hannah is going to talk about that extensively. Looking at exercise as a chore versus a gift. It's something we get to do, not something we should have to do. That makes a big difference in how we approach it. Opportunities to move. Look around us right now. Look at what people, one of the good things about COVID, not that there's that many good things, but look at the parks. Look at the fact you can't buy a bicycle because everybody's bought them and is out riding. Uh, look at the successful cycle of motivation. We'll talk about that on the next slide. Your self-care hierarchy. We need to make sure that we understand as teachers that our self-care is a model for students and that our students realize their self-care has to come first or else other things don't matter as much. Learning mindset. We need to be experimenters as teachers and show students the way. And we need to encourage students to be experimenters in a positive way. And we need to model a lifetime of fitness. That's what we want to create for our students. Starting with the right why, that successful cycle of motivation we talk about, this is where Dr. Seeger is going to get really get into this in depth in October, and she does a much better job than I could. But just a quick glance is, you know, that vicious cycle. We want to exercise, we want to exercise because of weight, better health. Uh, 20, what we'll look at 20 years from now, our, our cholesterol, our heart disease, our diabetes. That look makes it seem like a chore, something we should do, and then we end up failing and repeating the whole cycle. That's why we spend billions of dollars on exercise as opposed to the right why. You do it to connect with others, be in a better mood, feel better, have more focus, energy, and fun, and then it becomes a gift, something we want to do to succeed. Hannah, you are up. You, you all may be thinking at the start of the school year, where do you start? Whether you're a new teacher or whether you've been doing this gig for 20 years or 30 years, it might be a good time to not think about what you did in the past and to completely reframe how you teach. And the reason that we encourage you to do that 
is because start to think about your students today. So picture if you teach elementary, picture a second grade student. What physical skills does that student need to be healthy and well today and for a lifetime? So physical skills are very important. What knowledge, what health and wellness knowledge related to physical activity, fitness, the human body, does that student need to be healthy and well today and for a lifetime? And then what values about enjoyment of physical activity or why physical activity would benefit them? What values does that student need? So if you stop thinking about what you used to teach and start thinking about those three, those three elements, the physical skills, the content knowledge, and then the values related to students' health and well-being. Take a minute now to just start to think about that about your age group. I know a lot of elementary students um, to be successful riding a bike or to feel confident when they go um, play a yard game in their cul-de-sac with their siblings, that they're confident with throwing and catching. Those would be some physical skills that students would need today. So part of this is finding your why. So all of us have a role in society right now. And that role is to teach quality health and physical education to meet our students' needs in whatever teaching circumstance our school district is asking us to do that under. So part of finding your why is understanding why do your students need you? What makes you as a teacher different than a YouTube video or than content that they could access online? Because truthfully, in the last couple of months, there's been a lot of information circulating online. So why do your students need you? Maybe it's because you can help them connect with other students. You can help them see the value in physical activity and how it benefits their life. And because you can teach them those three things, the physical skills, the knowledge, and then that understanding or appreciation for why it matters. So the reason that this is important is because we're living in a very transparent world. Parents are going to know what you do. Um, you're essentially teaching in their living room in a lot of cases. So as Dave mentioned with advocacy, this is an opportunity for society to see the impact that health and phys ed teachers um, at Slippery Rock, we call it school wellness education, but what impact we can have on students in schools to create healthy behaviors for a lifetime. This book over here at the side, it's called Finding Your Why. Um, I told you there's a lot of information out there, but I do recommend Simon Sinek both Start With Why and Find Your Why. They really transformed how we prepare future teachers at Slippery Rock. Um, and some of this presentation is based on the information from Simon Sinek.
All right, so part of finding your why is also being relevant. So how can we be relevant in today's society? I chose this picture because um, depending on where you live, probably a lot of you saw these Amazon Prime Sprinter vans circling your neighborhood for months upon months. Amazon became very relevant in the past couple of months. And at the same time, society needs us just as much. Because if you do turn on the news, you see that students may be stressed, students may be anxious, students may need um, opportunities to know how to be safe when they're being physically active outside. I've seen a lot of kids in my community getting out, but they might not necessarily have the knowledge of bicycle safety or hiking safety. So we can create opportunities that meet the needs of today. If you have any physical and health related skills that you think your students need to succeed, um, you can go ahead and either write those down for yourself, that may help with your planning for lessons in the future, or feel free to add them to the chat box if you want to share them. Thank you, Hannah. All right, what can this look like in practice now? The big thing, we, we're gonna throw a lot at you tonight and see what sticks. Uh, I don't expect anybody to make all these changes. The big thing when I've been working with teachers over the years who've come to visit our program and see what we do is that you make small changes. Uh, try a little bit of this or a little bit of that. I think if anybody tried to make all the things, all the changes that we're suggesting tonight, uh, it would make it all that much worse for you. Uh, but there's a lot of good ideas out there and these things have been tried and tested uh, throughout through the years. Uh, last year or two years ago actually we completed a curriculum review process in North Allegheny where we identified four pillars that we want to address in almost every lesson. They are health literacy, physical literacy, nutrition, and social emotional skills. These have really proven themselves during this time of COVID be so important. Uh, you'll notice here I have some hyperlinks to Holly Alpern, Sarah Benny's Dean. I want to give a little shout out. There was a great uh, workshop back in July run by InShape. That's Indiana Society of Health and Physical Educators. It was called their Inspire 2020. They did an amazing job and these links will actually take you to some of the presentations that they had on their workshop. Uh, Holly and Sarah are two of the leaders in the country on skills-based health. If we're looking at health literacy, we're looking at health skills, both in health and in physical education. We've changed the, the name of all of our physical education courses at Orvalgan to health and PE because we want to integrate health concepts into every lesson. Uh, we do that in a purposeful way because we all know there's not enough health classes, standalone health classes in our curriculum. Uh, some of us are fortunate to have them. I know at North Allegheny we have one course in ninth grade and as great as our teachers are, they can't cover everything in one semester. Uh, so we wanna really back that up. Physical literacy. Uh, Dean gave a great pre presentation on what that means now. Having students being able to really understand themselves and where they need to be and why it's important for everybody. Uh, it's not okay to be a great athlete. That doesn't make you physically literate. You know, that we talk about the exemption bill that's proposed. Physical literacy, encompasses fitness and physical activity and skills and understanding all the things that go into it for a lifetime. Nutrition, 
this is so often overlooked as to how it affects us every day from both a physical and emotional standpoint. Nutrition facts might be a little bit uh, over the top for some of you, but I, I personally practice as much plant-based eating as I can, and it's, it definitely has a strong, strong plant slant to it. But when we eat, the, more, the better we eat, the more energy we have, the better we feel. I know that firsthand. I've experimented with eating all plant-based. Uh, I'm not 100%, but I'm darn close. And all my friends who have joined me in that path are all off their medications for their high, for their, uh, high blood pressure, for their cholesterol, just from eating a plant-based diet. So a great way to talk to kids about how, how they can control their energy levels and how they feel day-to-day -day based on their diet. Because so many of our kids are just riding the roller coaster of sugar you know, feeling, getting high and then crashing off their sugar and their processed foods. And then really what we're going to talk about today for the most part is social emotional learning. Everybody talks about Castle's core competencies and Castle's skills. It's a great tool and there's a lot of good things out there about it, but that's not what we're going to focus on tonight. I think students learn a lot better through stories. Find your stories or share stories from other people, from books, from resources in this, in this presentation. We're going to give you SEL skills to talk about authenticity, empathy, gratitude. Think for a minute about what other, you know, you can put it in the chat box if you like, what other social emotional learning skills do you think are important? I just hit on three big ones there. What else is important that we need to address and how can we address it? And that's what I'm going to give you a guide to as we go through more options of what we can do with SEL. Anna. So then... From now forward, you're going to be teaching lessons every day to students in your own unique situation. So these are three things to sort of check yourself with before you teach any lesson. First one is, is it relevant for your students? So whatever you choose to teach, whether it's elementary throwing and catching skills, whether it's hiking for ninth grade students, why will the lesson benefit them? And if you can't come up with a why, then plan a different lesson. The second thing to think about is where at school, at home, or in the community, can this student apply this knowledge or this physical skill? Because students are part of their community. Some students are learning from home, some students are learning from school. Where can they continue to practice this skill or this wellness concept and really make it part of their life? And then the third thing to ask yourself is, does this lesson give students the opportunity to connect and reflect? So one of the things that makes you different as a certified health and physical education teacher is you can provide this opportunity for students to connect with each other and with you as the teacher. And they need that more today than ever. So depending on what your student population looks like, you may be teaching very different topics than the other participants on this call. What I teach at Slippery Rock may be different than what um, somebody teaches on the eastern side of the state, just depending on what's in their community and what's relevant to their students. But what is important across the board is that there's a clear why for the student, they can apply it somewhere in their life, and that they can connect and feel like it's important to them. And then Dave's going to give you some examples of ways that he's done this in some of his classes at North Allegheny. All right, thank you. 
sorry, I just opened up my screen on another one. So if my voice or my sound doesn't sound good, let me know, or it's echoing, and I will close that computer. All right, so ideas for class organization. Number one, empathy practice. Imagine walking into a situation where you feel out of place and having to perform in front of everyone. Now imagine doing that every other day, all year long, year after year. What can we do to help students who feel that way? Think about it in our, in our classes. There's kids that feel that way. You look at, you know, if you're on Facebook and you see, when I, when I see what we're going through right now, your stories of students who despise physical education. We became teachers, we probably enjoyed it. But we need to take into account all students, those students who feel uncomfortable in class and those students who feel maybe a little too comfortable where they're there to show off their skills all the time. And really that's not what's best for the whole class and or for them. Uh, something I thought about as a model this year is Stronger Together. And this is something where I've been spending all of my time this summer on thinking about this. It's a model to organize your class on promoting physical, social, and mental health. Stressing inclusive practices by creating small groups within each class that focus on peer support and connection. And I did look up the data on how many teachers we have. We're pretty equally spread between elementary, middle, and high school tonight. There are a few classroom health teachers and a few teachers who teach both health and physical education in the classroom and the gymnasium. But for the most part, we're all in the gymnasium. But I want you to keep in mind that I think these things can be done in a health classroom also, the ideas for organization and support. You know, spend the first several lessons of the year or more doing the best you can to get to know your students and have them get to know each other and build a class culture of authenticity, empathy, and mutual support. Have an attitude of we before me and connection before curriculum. I just heard that one the other day, that connection before curriculum, and I thought, wow, that is so powerful. And I think that's where our, I know in, in my building, in my school, that's where we're at right now. Our administrators, administrators are supporting us in that position. Uh, form groups by getting student input in their personal interests as they relate to, are they competitive? Aren't they competitive? Do they like to be more cooperative? What do they like, dislike? What are their passions? What activities are they involved in? Uh, what are their personality traits? I will use a Google form to collect this data and I have a list of questions I plan on asking my students and I plan on dividing them into student groups. Uh, I could just have them pick a group, but again, that puts them in that situation. I wish I could remember the name of the person, the presenter. I actually went and tried to find them, I couldn't. But at the National Convention a couple of years ago, I saw a presenter who talked about, you know, not letting students pick their groups all the time or pick their partners all the time. So I came back and for the rest of that school year, I assigned partners. I found ways to do it to mix the groups up and get to know each other. And it took so much stress and anxiety off of some of the kids. I could see it when they walked in and saw we were doing that. It just changed their whole outlook on the class because they didn't, they didn't have that initial hesitation of, oh my gosh, how am I gonna pick somebody or am I gonna get picked? And it makes such a difference. So thinking about how we make those groups and then teaching kids, they say, well, I don't know anybody in this group. Well, that's part of what we need to do is teach kids how to reach out and get to know each other. With our guidance, students then focus on building relationships within the group and throughout the class. We can have part of our lesson, yes, it can be a physical skill, but it can also be a focus for the day. Here's a question to ask your partners during the warm-up today. Here's a question to ask during the activity or during cool-down. This TED Talk talks about the number one thing they find with people that live long, healthy, happy lives. The number one indicator is relationships. Great 12-minute video if you talk about a Harvard study that's been on for over 75 years. Other tools to build stronger uh, teams are Compete to Create with Pete Carroll and Dr. Michael Gervais. 
fantastic tool. Uh, I'll share a podcast on that one with you later. The Power of a Positive Team with John Gordon. Uh, I've spent most of my time this summer on Audible, listening to books, listening to podcasts. These are all really good ones I would recommend. Find Your Why, Hannah already mentioned. Dare to Lead, Dr. Brene Brown. She is phenomenal. All of her books and podcasts are amazing. The last lecture by Dr. Randy Pausch. If you're a Pittsburgher, you may remember him and his tragic but really inspiring story of, can of the cancer that he was battling. The Energy Bus with John Gordon. I'm going to be using that as a team builder, a model for a team building activity I'm going to start the year off with this year and actually have pre students present, their groups present, the 10 keys to positive energy. Mindset from Carol Dweck, and it's not about you from Tom Rath are some of my favorites. Um, eventually, students will build confidence in each other to connect both an inside and outside of class, but we need to facilitate this. That's the big thing is once they go home and they're not in class anymore, or they're you know remote learning, or hopefully that doesn't happen, but if it does, and some of you I know it already is, how can we build a support system for students? So every time they have a problem, they're not calling us, they're looking to each other. And we put them in a group where that's part of it. It's group projects. It's them talking and working together and giving us feedback as a group. That theme stronger together. We'll continue to work on how we organize the class. Use the groups to improve class safety. Small groups increase physical safety through limiting exposure and mental social health by providing safe and accepting environment for success. We need to talk with our kids about why it's so important and what we can do to help them. Um, sample class routine. Students come to class prepared for through a flipped lesson model. Keep it brief. Have them watch a video, read an intro online, or as they arrive. Maybe you have a TV playing the intro video as they come in if you don't have access to a flipped lesson. Maybe it's just something written for them. But there's something that they're coming in to class who can maximize physical activity time. They arrive at the activity area and warm up with their group while talking. How's your tribe doing today? Reviewing flipped lesson goals. So they immediately start connect with each other and start moving immediately, not sitting on a spot waiting for attendance to be called, but get, getting into activity and getting comfortable with movement. One student checks in for the group. So each day a different person can come talk to me and check in for the group. They can share with me what the group's talking about. Maybe somebody's having a bad day. We should ask. They should know that. They should have found that out through their discussions. Maybe it's somebody's birthday, who, who knows, but they wanna check in with us and, us and that's our chance to focus on that one student and they can rotate who that student is who checks in each day. Large group, we come in, we review the social distance guidelines, we talk about what the flip lesson content was, we make it quick and we get out and we get busy for the day. We focus on that lesson or activity of the day. Then at the end of the class, they go into a small group closure again. So they're providing talking cues for small group reflection and cool down. We provide those talking cues. That can be part of the way we teach the social emotional skills, how we teach authenticity, talking about kids being themselves, not being afraid to say who they are just so they can be accepted. A lot of times kids really care more about being accepted than being who they are. And I, I know I feel this way myself, and I'm guessing most of you out there probably feel the same. Don't you wish you'd go back and be your true self through middle school and high school and be confident in your decisions the way you are today? Uh, there are kids out there that do that, but the majority of us definitely struggle during those times. Um, after we have the closure, we come back in and we have a large group closure to just make sure they're getting the thoughts that you want for the day and the lesson. So they go home and somebody asks them what they did or what they learned, they have a take home. You know, Ron Nichols, an elementary school teacher at Deer Lakes, talked about that. Giving the kids a specific thing 
So when somebody asks you what you did in school there, what you learned, you have something to tell them. It's just not, oh, I don't know. Oh, nothing. Give them something. And then submit their reflection to you. It's like a think pair share opportunity where for my class would be through a Google form. For you, it might be some other way. But one person from each group is going to submit a reflection. And then I can look at those reflections and see, okay, well, how's that going to work out? Um, I'm going to read, cut my reading last year, reading reflections. I was reading all every student's reflection every week, and that became very time consuming. But I'm going to cut my reading about to 80% by having them submit as a group, which should make a big difference. Um, some of the assignments we gave, and just getting kids to think, those reflections, you know, focusing on the reflections. These are quotes from students last year. Uh, we went on a mindfulness hike, and my kids, I thought they might think it was a little hokey, it, was, it wasn't a thing for them, but that wasn't at all how they took it. They loved it. And quotes from them, they said, was, embrace the outdoors. I just take a walk, and I feel so relaxed and happy. Uh, I felt good to get out of the house. I like walking cold weather. It's refreshing. Go on a hike, get a natural high. I enjoy feeling so accomplished when I finish. I found so much inspiration and beauty in nature on my walk. I ended up having a mini photo shoot with the flowers. But that was pretty cool. Something, something a little different. Um, but different ways that we can organize what we do with our kids. Right, and back to you, Hannah. Yeah, so this is really interesting because I think Dave reached out to me earlier in the summer and he had ideas for planning this webinar. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have time or energy for another meeting. And then he said, let's take a bike ride and brainstorm ideas. And I said, I'm totally in. Where can I meet you? So we planned for this session while brainstorming and riding in between hills, in between these gorgeous views. Um, and there was a period of time in the ride where I asked Dave, just, just tell me what you would present, what's most important. And we talked about it really informally and it made sense to me. So then after the ride, we sat down at a bench at North Park, we got our phones out, we both have Google Docs on our phones and we typed out our outline and our session description right there. So it got us thinking that it's really not all that different than how you can structure some physical education lessons where there's a clear why or why for the bike ride other than we both love riding and being outside was we wanted to get on the same page and get some ideas for this project. We did a physical activity um, where we appreciated the physical activity, but we also had some cognitive ideas that we were discussing. And then we connected at the end. We talked to each other. Um, Dave and I work well together, but we also have very different ideas and we have our own styles. So there were some things that I had ideas for and he said, no, 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 and vice versa. So we, we had to collaborate, we connected. Um, and I think that the same thing works for our students as well. They're not all that different than we are. I couldn't agree more. And if you take a look at the pictures, I mean, think, look at the top there. That's our first ride around North Park. We got a 20 mile bike ride in while planning this session. And you think about how can we teach kids to do this? Uh, at my school, one of our former uh, state legislators, uh, Representative Terzai, he actually, his office is right at the street from our school. He used to come and walk on our track during his, during his phone calls. And he'd be on the track, on a phone, walking, having a walking meeting. 
This is something I learned about a slippery rock through a partnership that we have, and I incorporate it into my health classes regularly. You know, can we get kids out and moving and walking? They don't need to be sitting all the time. We can hit a focus point, let them go for a walk, talk about it, come back and be brief. Again, that think, pair, share, but in a more active setting. Hey Dave, we had a question that I think is kind of timely to answer right now um, when you're talking about student reflections that how do you address concerns if group reflections from students aren't as authentic as an individual one? You know, what are some other options that you could consider um, for students to share a less popular opinion? I really like that and I think that's something, to be honest, I hadn't thought a lot about. Last year I was getting a lot of really, really authentic uh, reflections because they knew I was the only one reading them and they were doing them individually. And that's why I took so long to read them because I didn't want to miss one of those. Um, but I think really maybe have a second avenue, you know, have a way that any student can go into that form. The requirement is for them to go and submit the form for their group. But maybe when I have the group numbers that they're submitting under, there could be another box for somebody who wants to submit one individually and just put their name in there. And, and I'm the only one that would see it. I think that's a really good point and it's something I'm going to add into my presentation and the way I do things this year. So thanks for that question. Any thoughts on that, Hannah? I think you stated it very well. Thanks to whoever asked that question. Thank you very much. Shout out to Todd Yatchison. All right, Todd. All right. So this is a little bit about what we do and what we've been doing in North Allegheny and ideas I have moving forward. But I think these can work at all levels. These are recommendations that our staff feel best meet the needs of our student and community. Uh, each of these examples ties directly within the Shape America standards and our four pillars of health and physical education. Um, what health and physical skills focus, what health and physical skill focuses are included with each unit. Look to what is currently happening all around us. People are walking, hiking, kayaking, biking, playing small group games, cooking at home, getting enough sleep for a change, connecting with each other, et cetera. Focus on how, how so much of this time is positive. I know COVID has a lot of downsides, but the chance that the fact that I'm spending more time with my family, that this afternoon when I finished putting the finishing touches on this presentation, I took my daughter with the Shenley Park. We played disc golf for, that, for the afternoon. It was fantastic. Um, but HPE units, we should connect with the kids and their families. Everything should be able to connect with kids that they can do with their families on their own. They can do locally with their, with their group that we've assigned them to, with friends or with family. There's nothing more gratifying than we have an in-service day and we go out to lunch to staff and we're down in North Park and here come all these kids that we've had in class and they're at the park mountain biking that day or hiking. And we see that on a regular basis. Uh, things we can tie in, that nutrition again. There's, there's dinner a couple of weeks ago, a bean burger with homemade guacamole and cilantro and some potatoes, a little sriracha sauce. Uh, my wife and daughter hiking with me, uh, a great student teacher who made me t-shirts to match all of my units. She's in Australia now. She's a PE teacher down under. And um, a sunrise kayak at North Park. You know, what do we do? And how do we model this for our kids? I think that's really important too is sharing with our students what we do. We don't have to be the best at everything. Some might, you know, I think about a, a former teacher that's retired, but Linda Similo, she was amazing and she was worried about teaching mountain biking. But being she was one year from retirement, she still got on a bike and she did it. She was wearing a boot at the time. She was biking around the fields in a boot. Uh, but it's amazing if we just open up the kids and let them see our weaknesses, our frailties, and let, let them see us make mistakes and realize it's okay to make mistakes as we're learning. 
Um, other sample units, uh, introduction. I think the introduction unit is so important. Uh, we stole an idea years ago. We used to do dance and as for our first day. Now we do team activities. We do dance alternating, but getting kids out of their comfort zone, getting to know each other, team building in person. Those things from uh, John Gordon's book, the team building activities that are non-physical are right there. I'm saying, how do I do team building if we can't touch each other? Well, there's 10 great ideas right on that hyperlink, which we'll share with you from John Gordon. If we're not in person, Flipgrid intro videos so the kids can introduce themselves to their class, to me, they can uh, talk. We can, once we get them into groups through the Google Forms and the Flipgrid intro videos, they can do these team building activities remotely uh, through, through different avenues. Adventure Ed, hiking, mindfulness, uh, snow hiking. We go out in the wintertime, we hike through the snow. The kids love it and they, they whine and they moan, and they complain. Then we get out there and we're up on the top of the hill overlooking the beautiful, and I always wait for a day when everything's snow covered, so it's really pretty out there. And they start to identify, like, and they start feeling bad for those poor kids stuck in the warm building because it does feel good once you get out there outside. One of my colleagues last year said, hey, let's add a camping unit. And I thought he was kind of crazy. Uh, John McNavage, great teacher. But he, he was right. He did it. He piloted it. We got a couple of camping sets and backpacks and tents. He piloted it. Now we're all doing it. And the kids ate it up. It was a great thing. Just teach them how to hike out, set up a, set up a campfire, set up a tent. Uh, it was new to most of our kids. Pickleball, racket sports, geocaching, disc golf, kayaking. All just amazing things, and that's one of our logos from our sweatshirts there. We get out, and we do. We try to be outside every possible chance we get. And this year especially, we're, we're going back in a hybrid model. We're not even going to meet them inside. We're going to meet them right outside, come directly, report directly outside, and let's get fresh air and sunshine. Um, other sample units, running and biking. We, do a, we have a run, bike, a run unit and a bike unit in our, in our school. Uh, we do all of our units three times each year, once in the fall, once in the winter, once in the spring. In the winter, we spin. Um, but if you have access to that, if you don't, try it. We start off with seven bikes, and we just had groups rotating through. where They'd, they'd bike one day and run, the, run two other days. We'd rotate them through. But it was a way to start. And now there's programs all across the state that teach biking. Uh, running, how to run. How many of us teach how to run? Good form running from New Balance is a great free video that we use with our classes. It's only a minute, but it teaches really basic level, good technique running and how to teach the kids how to slow down and stay in their zones. Um, how do we do that? This is a whole other thing we could talk about, but you know, there's other forms out there and ways that we can do it. Strength and mobility. We teach strength and mobility. We can talk about body weight. Traditionally, we're more of a CrossFit style based school. We, we don't have machines. We have free weights. We have dumbbells, kettlebells, bars, um, latex tubing. We do all those things. But last spring, I found other options, body weight, yoga, Pilates, band training, functional movement systems. A lot of people are getting into that. I know I was talking to Bo Schaffel the other day. I think he's on the call. And he was talking about how he's been incorporating that. And I have been. And another colleague of mine, Michelle Rue, was the middle school is doing a great job incorporating that. MoveNet, Google MoveNet. It's a great body weight moment. Mobility, that's this picture down here. Forming yourself into a physical capable human being is not a lifestyle option. It is a duty to yourself, your family, and your community. That's the founder of moving that. I couldn't agree with him more. Um, and then how do we do it? Seven minute workout. That's one thing we did last year. I actually had kids come in 
and listen to a podcast during a 10-minute walk. I told them to bring their headphones. They went for a 10-minute walk, listened to a podcast about from Science Versus about that seven-minute workout, and then did the workout. And uh, it was a huge hit with the kids. We have to war address all of these things in every class, no matter what we're teaching, through our warm-up activities. Choice activities. Guided choice, I think, is very important. So we don't just give them anything and let them do whatever they want, but we provide opportunities. We ask them what they want. We provide those opportunities, such as cardio boxing, martial arts, self-defense, looking to the community for great volunteers to come in and help us teach that. Dance. We had uh, Attack Theater out of Pittsburgh come in and work with us on our dance uh, choice options, but giving kids other opportunities or to just spend more time in something they like. Like the bikers are a little bit frustrated sometimes slowing down for slower riders. So the kids that are really into it, they come in during a choice unit. Uh, key concepts that I think are so vital. Um, Dare to lead from Dr. Brene Brown. She shares the jelly bean jar. And once we share this presentation with you uh, later tonight or tomorrow through our website, You'll, you can click on each of these links to learn more about them. She talks about the jelly bean jar, and that's something I'm gonna share with my kids about how to really learn to trust people and how not to over-trust too soon. We Before Me from John Gordon. What have you done for others today? John Norlin and his In Shape presentation, that's a great concept, and he does a great job talking about it. Focusing on the 90% of the students that's below, that are below the surface. We see 10%, how they dress, how they sell themselves at school, their image they want to portray. That's the 10%. 90% of them is that iceberg below the water. We need to start finding out more about that part and find out and teach kids to find out more about the 90% of their friends and their colleagues and their classmates. The seven-minute workout I told you about, there's the podcast. Dr. Ankle Ross, Achille Ross, he was the national principal of the year. He talks about failing to succeed. You have to face adversity in life in order to be successful. I would say that's a must-listen podcast. Great, he does a great job of showing how he came from failing third grade to being a national principal of the year. Um, and then living in the present. My new favorite book that I just listened to recently, Compete to Create from Pete Carroll and Michael Gervais. Pete's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Michael's a sports psychiatrist. They do a great job about talking about living in the present and how they've gotten professional football teams to buy in and talk about loving each other and supporting each other. This isn't just soft stuff. This is real life, practical, applicable things. Um, books, I'm a big, just, this is my bookshelf. This is things that I've listened to and read over the last uh, couple of years, but I highly recommend everything on this list. If you're looking for suggestions that directly correlate to what we teach and how we teach it, please check it out. Um, some of my favorite podcasts, just want to give you resources. If you need to listen to one podcast episode, start with, I suggest this truly timely option, how to optimize your performance when everything sucks. Uh, that, I found that a couple weeks ago on a bike ride and listened to it and it was fantastic. I actually pulled over in the middle of the bike ride to share it with some colleagues of mine. Um, it's from 10% Happier with Dan Harris, which is a mindfulness podcast. We interviews Pete Carroll and uh, Dr. Michael Gervais. That's how I found out, found out about the Compete to Create book. But a list of great uh, podcasts there. You just highlight it, put it in a, in a browser and search it and they'll come up for you, no problem. Other resources, uh, just a couple, uh, elaborate a little bit more on my thoughts, the President's Point blogs and the blogs on our Shape PA website. Uh, Shape America's reentry considerations, they do a great job of sharing great things out. Shape PA's reentry plan, 
Uh, again, our advocacy committee does amazing things and they created that Ranchery Plan. Uh, I think it's one of the best out there, thanks to them. In Shape Inspire 2020 conference I told you about. That was an amazing go back and listen to those presentations. Uh, pretty much one's better than the next. Final thoughts, Hannah. I kind of went into hyperdrive there when I looked at the clock and saw it was 10 to 8 already. Yeah, does anybody have any specific questions for Dave about any of those learning activities that they want to put in the chat? Um, there's so much great information, it's hard to fit it all in. Yeah, one of the things we're also going to do, we'll take some questions now for sure, and we'll stay on answer questions as long as you want. Um, but we're also going to give you a, a chance to answer, ask questions in writing in a Google form in a minute or two. And then we're going to make sure to answer those questions at the beginning of Tuesday night session before we get into roundtables and have discussions. All right, I see a couple of Q&As up here. Let's see what we see. All right, Dave, um, one question that just popped up. Can you share more about your mindfulness hike, key points, and how you set it up? Yes. Um, it's really simple. We go as a class, we, st we stick together, and I let the kids talk. It's not really a mindfulness like hike the whole time. It's put your phones away, let's move. But then once we get out there, I'll ask them, especially in the beginning, I'll say, okay, just take a minute, two minutes, depending on your age group of your kids, up to five minutes and, and just absolutely zero talking. I want you, while you're hiking, I want you to think about something you see, hear, feel, uh, something something you taste, you smell, it's, that you never noticed before. Look up, look down, look all around you and, and cue into your environments. Our kids are so oblivious sometimes because they're so entertained all the time by their phones and each other that they don't notice things around them. Uh, one of the first times we ever did this, I'm doing it along with the students and they really did a great job of it. And at the end, we went to debrief I asked the kids first what their thoughts were. And the one uh, young boy said, I couldn't believe how quiet it is out here in the woods. And my exact thought was, I couldn't believe how noisy it was because we were a couple hundred yards away from a construction site. But in his mind and his life experiences, that was quiet. For me, it was so noisy because of the jackhammers and everything else. But he's so used to having headphones in all the time, that was quiet in his mind. So all the kids come up with different things, but it makes them start to appreciate and really tune into their feelings a little bit more. And it's something that it's a skill that needs to be built. It's not something that you're going to get right off of day one, but uh, the kids definitely started to ask for those later in the year. Um, Craig had a good thought that he put into the question that I think it's kind of a good hypothetical question for everybody to leave here and think about. Um, but he's, he said that a lot of districts right now are going to either virtual or hybrid. If kids are in a hybrid and it's hot out, we need to think about how intense activities in health and PE might be. Virtually, all of us will have to think about whether we will be comfortable in front of our students or if other options are available. So his kind of question, I think for you two and for everybody on this call is how can we get our students excited about, about what we're doing no matter what the setting is? I think we really need to listen to the kids as they come out. Uh, that's something in our back to school plan, we're going in a hybrid, but we don't have a kid plan on kids having kids change for PE because they just put them in those tight confined quarters in the locker room. We do plan on scaling back our intensity level, both because if it's a hot day, if they're not dressed, they're not going to change after class. 
Uh, but we're going to also have more time with kids because of that too. So there's a plus and a minus. But I think really focusing on those relationships and getting kids to talk and getting them to understand the, the points. Sometimes through building those relationships, and I know Craig's big into this, so he's probably already doing it, but some of my biggest success stories over the years were kids who never really got yeah, the objectives I was aiming for in that class. But I let them do an alternative activity. And then once I got the class going, we'd walk and talk and we'd build a relationship where they started to put priority on just being mindful and realizing that they had control over their own lives. They could be a coffee bean. They didn't have to, you know, that, especially with kids that we see our, our age from elementary through high school. So many of them think it's their victims or their product of everything around them. They don't realize they can influence it by their actions. So I think that's where we really need to focus. And then we could talk about, even though we may, can't go for a hardcore mountain bike ride in our class and get the kids all muddy like we do other times, we can go for an easier ride and feel the breeze and teach kids and talk about, show them where to go act, where can they go in their communities? Where are the great bike trails? Where are the, the places where they're gonna enjoy and they can meet up with friends? I like the way Dave talked about listening to our students. That's really important and it can happen through the reflections. And I think a second thing to add to that is giving choice within our lessons where there's options for what intensity level the students choose to engage in and that they're able to reflect then on why they picked light intensity or why that day they picked vigorous intensity um, because it's, it's important for them to have some choice within the physical education uh, choices that they that they engage in. Yeah, great. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Hannah. One of the stories I wanted to tell today, and I frankly forgot until you just said that, was you know sometimes we, with the best of intentions, we push our kids, we push them to another level, and there's definitely a time for that. But sometimes it's not the time for that. And you know, the story the other day, I went on a long bike ride with some friends, and. One of my friends is also a teacher who teaches with me. We were on a 100-mile bike ride, and we were biking all day long. And at one point early on, he's like, come on, let's go. We can, we can go a little faster than this. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to pace myself. I'm not ready for this 100-mile bike ride. I need to pace myself. But I didn't. I, I answered the call, and I pushed it faster. And guess what? About 95 miles in, I bumped. I fell off my bike. I was laying on the side of the, on a bench on the side of the path. I could not go another mile. Fortunately, I recouped a little bit, got back on my bike and finished. But the point was, in the best of intentions, he's pushing me and pulling me ahead. I wasn't ready for that. I think sometimes we turn kids off even though we have the best intentions. So I think that, like Hannah said, that listening to them, I saw that that lesson became very vital, important to me when I didn't listen to my body. I listened to those around and pushing me. So Dave, there's one more question in here um, before we wrap up. And I will go ahead and paste in the uh, chat to all panelists and attendees the link. And I'll repost that as some comments are coming up and it might get lost in your window. Um, th there was a question about when you're outside so frequently, what can you do when there's poor weather? Uh, we're very fortunate. We do have indoor areas. We have, have never more than four teachers on a time. We do have four teaching spaces. So we have backup plans uh, and we're, we're very blessed that way in our district. Um, that might go away this year due to, they might use our gymnasiums as cafeterias. So we're gonna have to have a backup plan. You know, maybe we'll have 
my plans. I'm going to have a list of podcasts for students to listen to. Maybe they'll be walking hall in the hallways if I can get away with it. Maybe I'm going to tell kids to bring a win. Part of the thing is they got to pack a raincoat. And they might be out walking in the light rain or, or being active in a light rain. Uh, we've gotten away with it in the past because we have a culture built. That's not always going to work so well. But uh, I know I have kids that are given the option. 90% of them will go outside if given the option in a, in a light rain. And that's something we've built over the years. So. And we'll have this chat saved as well. There were two pieces of information that were requested that I think would be great to send out as part of our follow-up. One was a sample of a reflection form that's been used with students in class, as well as a sample um, beginning of the year activity to use for relationship building. So if we could push that out um, when we share out this video as well as the PowerPoint, which you will all get and have access to. And just so everyone's aware, we will also save all of our webinars as a audio file and upload it to our podcast file. So if you can't necessarily be in front of a screen to watch it or have YouTube or Vimeo opened on your phone to keep the audio playing with the video, you always have the option to listen to just the audio for your bike ride meetings or when you're out for a run in between everything that you all have going on. Okay, so that'll all be on the website. Uh, also, just wanted to give a quick shout out for our roundtable Tuesday night. I have some great people signed up. Melanie Lynch is gonna be moderating the health, the classroom health uh, group. Chris Jackson, Dean Borniak, our last two elementary teachers of the year are gonna be doing the elementary group. Uh, Bo Schapel, who's our last year's middle school toy, is gonna be doing the middle school group. And then Deb Lawler, who's our president-elect, Todd Bedard and myself are going to be doing the high school group. Um, and we're all department chairs in our respective school districts. I also wanted to ask to please, uh, Jess is going to put this last questionnaire in the uh, box. As I ask, this is a sample, we've talked about reflective questions. These are things I ask my students every single week in class. What's, what do you still, what question do you have in relation to what we did that I didn't address? What was the quality of today's class? I asked them straight out. They, can, they get to rate me every time. And then if they rate me poorly, I ask them, please tell me why it was bad. Uh, you know, and, and I, I treasure that. And then I tell them when I come back in, I said, hey, so-and-so said, not so-and-so, I don't say their name, but I was called out for this. And here's what I'm doing to address it. Uh, I think we need to be honest with the kids and authentic with kids too. And that, this is what we do. So I'm asking you to be authentic with us and we'll address any concerns or questions that you have on Tuesday evening. All right. Well, thank you, Dave and Hannah, so much. This has been great. And I know this is just the start of many conversations that we will continue throughout the year. So as always, if there's ever any questions or concerns or things that we can do for you as your state organization, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's super easy to say hello. Just email us at hello at shapepa.org. And we look forward to being there to support all of you and the wonderful work that you're doing in your schools um, today, tomorrow, and always. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining.